Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you with a very different feeling episode. It's Normally this show goes on a Thursday morning, but because of the very strange Wednesday game for the Steelers, uh, we have our post-game show that, that runs Thursday morning. So this is going up Thursday around noontime. And I'm actually recording this just before it's going to go. So uh, I kind of putting our podcast producer, Brian Anthony Davis, in a bit of a spot. But you know what? I needed the numbers. I needed the numbers from this game. But this is a little bit awkward right now for me. It's a different time I'm recording. I'm in a different place. I'm not set up in my same setup where I normally do podcasts. It just feels very, very strange right now. But you know what? That's very appropriate because, my goodness. That's what Wednesday felt like. It did not feel like a game day for me. I mean, I still had the regular work that we do with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and But because of everything else going on, I mean, it was a Wednesday. It wasn't trying to get going for the week. I was doing you know, school with my kids and everything else. And it, But it wasn't that regular Monday night feel because the game was kicking off at, at three forty in the afternoon. It just was a very strange day, which ended a very strange week, a very long week. I'm extremely grateful that this game is over. It is. It's finally over. Um, but it, I don't also don't feel the same way I normally do after, a, after a victory over the Ravens. Normally I'm flying high and everything else. Not today, not today. Um, when I dropped my son off at at a very small preschool class that he's still able to to attend for a couple hours every day, there's another parent there that um, that well, he he's a Ravens fan, but he actually knows what he's talking about, and he's very realistic with stuff, and uh, he's not all that terrible because he married a Steelers fan. But uh, we usually share a couple words every day. Some days more words than others, just about life and everything in general. And uh, he kind of felt like he he understood where I was coming from. That I'm like, just didn't feel like a win after it was all said and done. Yes, the Steelers got the win, but it, you're not. And yes, it's a victory Thursday, which first of all, saying Thursday is just strange. But at the same time, it just feels different. And I think the biggest thing about it, and he felt the same way because he watched Mike Tomlin's press conference as well as I did. If you did not watch Mike Tomlin or listen to Mike Tomlin's press conference, you might even be already surprised about what is he talking about uh, with the title of this show. And the title of the show is, if I can remember it off the top of my head, <laughs> is um, asking the question, is us sucking an accurate description of what happened with the Steelers on Wednesday? Because that was the exact quote from Mike Tomlin. He was asked a question in regards to the drops and some of the other things going on. If he asked what he attributed those to, and his answer very, very bluntly was us sucking. That's what he said. Uh, he was very agitated. I had not seen Coach Tomlin this upset after a game for a long time. Even in defeat a lot of time, he's not this agitated. But he was agitated very much in victory. And if you're a Steelers fan, you kind of want to see that. Because there was nothing about this game that that instills confidence um, with you with this team going forward, but we'll also address that. But we're going to ask. Here, here's a quick rundown of the show. We're going to look look, look for, at the game from last night. Um, 
and some various things and say if it really was it is was it really as bad as what some have made it out to be and i'm going to tell you in some cases yes and in some no um that's the short answer but you got to figure out why okay i have a couple uh, a, a couple questions but i didn't jot down who they were from they were general questions i'm going to answer them real quick and then we're going to we got to roll into week 13 because think about this normally this is the day of the week that is the steelers first real practice and probably usually a lot of times only biggest real practice of the week Thursday because Wednesday that's a lot of that's off it's usually a lighter practice Thursday is where they get get the most done and then Friday you got to come out and and try to bring everything together before Saturday's walkthrough for a Sunday game now luckily the Steelers do have an extra day in there so today is almost kind of like a Wednesday uh, of what it would be in a normal week since the Steelers don't play until Monday so the Steelers are being I say it's like a Wednesday, but really the Steelers are losing Wednesday. Today is more like a Tuesday. Today is the day for the players to get recovered. We're going to hear from Coach Tomlin today, all these different things. So it's kind of like a like a, a Tuesday on a normal week with no Wednesday of a normal week, and it's actually already Thursday. So it's just kind of strange, kind of like the game was yesterday. I even said it in the post game show, which if you are listening to this, hopefully you've already caught that as it's as it's already been out on, on our podcast platform. That even when the game kicked off, because of the time of the week it was and everything else, I felt like I was watching something on replay. You know, I wasn't it wasn't as hyped because of the players missing for Baltimore. I was more worried about the Steelers not winning the game because they needed to win. Anyway, because of the players that were missing, you got to remember the Steelers were missing three key players as well, two of which are former Pro Bowlers, and another one who would be if he would be healthy for an entire season, and Stefan to it. So they were missing three key cogs between Tuit, Pouncey, and Connor. So, but other players stepped up and did what they needed to do. So let's look at some of these numbers from this game that went down. I, I did a little bit of digging last night because one good thing that you have to look at, and we're going to talk about this going, going forward um, into facing Washington, which I'm already going to say, I don't know. I'll put the over under at three and how many times I'm going to call them the wrong name. I'll call them their previous mascot. I'm sure I'll do it by mistakes uh, at least three times in this episode. We'll, we'll, we'll see if I hit it or not. So, as we get into that, we'll dive into this a little bit more, but the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have now gone four straight games without surrendering a sack. The last team, I mean, you might you might hear this and say, oh, that's no big deal. The last team to, to sack Ben Roethlisberger was the Baltimore Ravens, but it wasn't in week 12. It was in week eight. Was it? Yes, eight. Had to make sure I did my math right with that one. Then it was in week eight. That was the last time Ben Roethlisberger was sacked. He was sacked with nine minutes and eight seconds remaining in the third quarter of that game. That means that Ben has gone 264 minutes and eight seconds of game time without being sacked. Since that sack, Ben has, has attempted 199 pass attempts. If Ben Roethlisberger throws a pass on Monday before he is sacked, he will have hit 200 passes in between sacks. That's just that's just crazy. Um, so, th- but that's so that's one thing that's really, 
really encouraging. And in case you are wondering, a lot of the numbers that I'm doing, I, I did have an article today at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com that is my um, by the num- analyzing the win or loss by the numbers. I do it after every game. So, of course, it's all been wins this year, maybe. And uh, and normally, you know, that, that runs after game day, but I don't do StatGeek till later in the week. So it's like, oh, well, it's kind of sitting there. So now I can say to you, it's there. It's towards the top of the site. Go check it out. But I'm, I'm going to highlight some of that. So that was one big thing that I thought that was in there. I also thought it was very intriguing that the, the Steelers did control the ball much more than Baltimore, who is known as being a big running team and constantly is controlling the clock against other teams. Not only do they control the clock, I mean, the Steelers had more than more than was the difference in time of possession was more than seven minutes, but they ran 22 more offensive plays than what the Ravens did. So that's significant. That's very significant. I mean, I think the Ravens ran 49 to the Steelers 71 were those exact numbers. I mean, that's you're, you're talking, you know, roughly 33% more plays run by the Steelers, not 33% more. I mean, sorry, the, the Ravens ran 33% less than the Steelers. If you're comparing it with the Ravens, they've ran 50, you know, 50% more plays almost, almost 50% more than what the Ravens did. So um, that was another positive. So it wasn't all about us sucking, as Coach Tomlin said. No, he was being specific, and we'll get to that specific soon. Because the Steelers, I mean, another thing, they held the Ravens to 90 net passing yards. And the reason I have to say 90 net passing yards is because I think Trace McSorley had 77 yards and RG3 had 33, if I re- if I recall correctly. Um, I might have a couple of those digits uh, backwards, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Because it added 110. But when you're talking about net passing yards, you have to take off the yards for, the, for sacks. And the Steelers, with three sacks, set the Ravens back 20 yards. That was under 100 yards net passing. 90 yards. And not only that, 70 of them were on the Ravens' last offensive play of the game. They got a late touchdown, and it's funny because because you can spin that any way you want because the Ravens score the touchdown. If the Steelers don't do anything with the ball, the Ravens are going to get it back and have a chance to, to win the game. Luckily, the Steelers you know, got several first downs. We'll talk about that in just a moment. They got several first downs, and therefore, um, that was the last offensive play that the Ravens ran in the game was that 70-yard touchdown pass. Unfortunately, the Steelers' defense, they kind of went for a big play. They went to get, they went for the interception. They didn't get it, busted the long, the long play. I mean, I understand, you know, you're up by multiple scores and you just want to end the game right there. But uh, the one thing you don't want to do is that. And that might have been a nice gentle reminder for the defense. I mean, otherwise, you're talking 20 net passing yards that, you know, just think if they come up with that interception and then the Ravens never get the ball again, that's how it finishes. That's how it's done. That would be absolutely insane. So that was good. Now, granted, it wasn't Lamar Jackson. It was RG3 and Trace McSorley, who McSorley, uh, passing-wise, looked much better. But then again, RG3 had had 68 rushing yards, I do believe, and 39 of them were on one carry, which was frustrating. But um, the Steelers took got two takeaways. They've they've done that seven times where they've hit the number of two takeaways. Well, they've hit it more than that. They've hit it nine times, nine times this season. But two of those games, they got up to four. So they had four takeaways in two games, two takeaways in seven other games, one in one other game, and one game that was against the Tennessee Titans where they did not have a single takeaway. So that was good, but the other problem was that they also turned it over twice. So that was 
rough a special teams turnover. And now it, what's interesting is Ben Roethlisberger doesn't throw that interception and it's just incomplete. They turn the ball over on down. So one, and so once again, that's just kind of how it goes. It still goes as a turnover, but um, ultimately you want the touchdown there, but if you weren't going to get the touchdown, you weren't going to get anything. And they ended up getting nothing anyway. And uh, that's what is it? I'm pretty sure it's three. I'd have to look it up, see if it's more how many interceptions Ben Roethlisberger has thrown in the end zone. Um, but it was the first time it wasn't in the closing seconds of the first half that that happened. Um, oh, wait, that would be four because he also had the one, um, he had two of them in Tennessee against um, against the Titans. So yeah, that's four times. I had to correct myself already that, um, that, the, that Ben's interceptions have been in the, end zone. So, but this, but the Steelers, I mean, they did what they needed to do on defense quite well. I mean, the Ravens had 12 drives and seven of them didn't even net a first down over half their drives, got zero first downs, five, three and outs, one fumble, one interception. I mean, that's, that's taking care of business there. Um, the, I mean, the Ravens only had two drives on the day that got more than 25 yards. And that was the one right before the first half where the Steelers uh, kept them out of the end zone and didn't give up any points. That was, yes, Coach Harbaugh, I understand why he was frustrated. That's not about the Steelers. That's about the officials doing stuff. Players do that all the time. His players do that all the time. That was more he wanted the officials to do something about it. But that would have been them covering for his complete mismanagement of that situation time-wise. He used a timeout when he shouldn't have and left them with none. Then they didn't spike the ball and get the three points. They went for the touchdown and didn't get it. Um, he's upset. I mean, I guess I guess if they had five more seconds, that then they could have ran that play and then still got the field goal. But you got to be aware of the situation. And I think he left his team in a bad spot. But it was that drive and then the 70-yard uh, touchdown pass. That was an 84-yard drive. Um, actually, because it was, um, it was a five yard penalty, a nine yard run, and then a 70 yard touchdown pass was what that, um, how that last drive for the Ravens went. So other than those two, they never got more than 25 yards in a, in a drive. They never hit the 25 mark. That's crazy. With the Steelers, they had five drives, um, over, over 40 yards. Uh, they scored on three of them, two field goals and a touchdown. Um, then the other was the, one of them was the first drive of the, of the second half where they, uh, went forward on fourth down and did not get it. And then the last, then the last drive of the game when they ran out the clock, um, doing what they had to do there. So there was some, some good stuff there. Another good thing. I mean, man, oh man, what about James Washington coming up with, with a, with a big catch on, on third down where Ben just, you know, lobbed the ball to him and he wasn't going to let any other defender fight through him to get their hands on it. I mean, he had a safety coming in from behind, but he's just, he's just too grandpa strong. That safety's not going to be able to fight through him and hit that ball. Um, he only had two catches on the day and they were on back to back plays. He had three yards on second down. It was second at nine, got three yards to make it third and six and then 16 yards on, on the third and six where that, which was a big play at the time to which allowed the Steelers to only need a couple more first downs and completely run it out. That, I mean, if they'd, a, if they'd have been punting the ball in that situation with more than two and a half minutes left, um, it, it, it would have been left on the defense. Now the defense had done great all day uh, except for that drive before. Um, 
But one of the big things is, and this is what Coach Tomlin was specifically talking about when he said it was us sucking, was the number of drops. And to figure this out, I was trying to look up the stats. You know, drops is not an official stat for the NFL because it's very, very up to interpretation. So uh, our own uh, BTSC writer and podcaster, Jeffrey Benedict, uh, he did the film review on it. And he and and he told me what it was going to be. He, he In his judgment, he said there were five blatant drops where the ball hit the receiver in the hands and they did not catch it without any defender there to impact the impact it at all. That was five, you know, egregious drops. He said there, then he says there was another five where it got to the hands of the receiver. But the question was, did the defense disrupt it enough to make them not catch it? So there were five definites and five maybes. Um, and chances are, he said, Probably at least three of those maybes would most people would classify as drops because I mean the defender was there but the the receiver still should have should have caught it. Probably the one that the one that he said might have been the 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 least non drop of them all uh, was the one to James Washington. I'm pretty sure it was in the end zone. Um, his I think it was only his other target other than those two at the end of the of the game where um where where the ball came in, the defender was all over him, and he doesn't know that he would classify that as a drop. But it did technically get to his hands. So that's quite frustrating. And think about those drops. How many of those drops would have were on third down or at close enough to the end zone where you believe the player could have scored the touchdown? It was a lot of them. It was a lot of them. Uh, I mean, he had Eric Ebron down for three of the five egregious drops. And the other two were Deontay Johnson. Um, I'm pretty sure is what he had, if I remember correctly, because I don't have that sitting in front of me. So that was that's kind of those numbers that go along with with what's going on with with the game that just happened. One other thing I do want to say, because it was a shout out that I gave in the article, is you know you you got to feel for number 48. Um, the Steelers lose Bud Dupree for the season with an ACL injury. Um, looks like he'll be having surgery. Who knows what his future holds? That's going to be probably more of a discussion in the offseason. For now, the Steelers have to make sure they're ready, prepared to go. Um, Alex Highsmith, you know, drafted in the third round of this past draft. Looks like he's probably going to be the guy that gets the nod. Don't know that they're going to – I mean, it's going to take more than just Highsmith because of the whole rotation. The Steelers will obviously have to bring in someone at least for the practice squad. I did, some people are calling for some bigger name people that are out there. I'm not. I'm a little bit more leery about that because if they're out there, what do they really have to offer? So we'll see what happens. But um, I'm going to real quick. Uh, we're we're going to go ahead and take the break. We talked a long time about this past game because it was just so fresh. But we're going to do that. I'm going to answer a couple questions and um, then just real quick do the rundown for week 13. So stick around, and I'll be back after this short break. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. This is Dave Schofield, co-editor behind the steelcurtain.com. Continuing on here with our discussion, we kind of wrapped up a couple, you know, most things here with week 12, the week that would not end. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, because this was someone who actually um, threw this out um, in response on to Jeff Hartman on Twitter. 
uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and use their name. Um, their, their, the name was uh, Amanda Ullman. She made a comment. This was, goes back to that catch by James Washington that we discussed in the first half. That she says, if Mahomes makes this throw, it's not a floater. It's the greatest pass ever made. And oh, he's so brilliant to know exactly what he had to do to get it to the receiver. That She didn't say that. This is me throwing that in there. She says it's the greatest pass ever made. The bias against Ben, okay, and that he was throwing great. He put he did what he had to do to get that ball there. And I think this is really true. People are like, oh, my goodness, what was Ben doing that could have been picked off, blah, 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 because they see what could have gone wrong. But with other quarterbacks, such as the one in Kansas City, they see something like that, and because it works, he's the greatest player that's ever played the game. So if you just take the throw and take the – take the jerseys away of the players that are doing them and you just kind of see the throw go in there and what happens in that spot. A lot of the narrative comes down to who was throwing the ball, which was a really good point. couple quick questions. Um, it was brought up on Twitter by some of the uh, Steelers beat reporters. There was a, I'm going to call it a false report out there that the, that the Ravens were only dressing 36 players for this game. Now, unfortunately, the NFL still hasn't released their snap counts um, or or other places that go through and, and break them down where I could go through and say, well, there was already this many players that took snaps in this game. But I can tell you strictly by the numbers, the Baltimore Ravens had on their active roster, not on the COVID list, not on injured reserve, not on the practice squad. They were down to 40 players because of the number of players that came off of the COVID list. you know. And that also includes the ones that came back from the COVID list. They had 40 players on the active roster before 12.30 yesterday of the game when they had to elevate any players that they needed to. So right there, they already have 40. So I don't know where this 36 came from. Then they elevated 10 players from the practice squad. They were COVID elevations, which means whenever the people are back where they can fill those roster spots, those players can go back to the practice squad without having to go through waivers. The Steelers did the same thing with Wendell Smallwood and um, Anthony Coyle. I don't think either one of them saw the field, though, um, unless it was on special teams and I just didn't catch it. So that's one thing I'm interested to see in the snap counts. But the Ravens did that, and they're like, they, they didn't go all the way up to 53. They only went to 50 because there was no reason to elevate a player to have them inactive because then you have to pay them, and it's just it just gets tricky in there. Um, and then it goes to the salary cap and blah, blah, blah. So they only ele- they elevated 10 to get up to 50, and then they had two players that were inactive, Brandon Williams, who was injured, and another player, I can't remember his name, who they just signed off waivers from another team. So he's on their active roster, but I don't think he was eligible to play yet. Things, you know, things like that. So they had 48 players. I don't know where this 36 number came from. I think it might have been from a from the roster that the that the Ravens provide the media, but they gave blanks on there for them to write in the other names. They had to make these rosters before they announced their 10, their, the 10 players that came up. So if anyone's asking if they hear anything about this, well, they only had they only had X number of players dressed for this game. Not true. They had 48 players. They had 48 players. And if they had them standing on the sideline in street clothes and didn't play them, they were on their active game day roster being paid to be out there because they only had two players inactive. So just wanted to dispel that myth. The other question was, all right, what's it take now for the Steelers? You know, can they clench a playoff spot this weekend? Absolutely. The Steelers need one of two things. 
They either need they either need to win or they need a loss by the Las no Las Vegas Raiders by the I'm pretty sure it's the Miami Dolphins. One of those. Um that's what's going on. So a win for the Steelers and they've clinched a playoff berth or they need it from a loss. I'm working on that article right now. I got to go back and double check. I'm pretty sure that it's the Dolphins. See, because the Dolph, it was the Dolphins and the Raiders coming into this week that they both lost and the Steelers won. Or if one lost and the other tied. And the whole reason this comes down is because these two teams play each other. And you can't even assume that one team will win and one will lose that you could say, well, what happens if they tie? You have to eliminate all scenarios. You have to eliminate any other possible tiebreakers. Now, the Steelers did eliminate the Ravens from the from the AFC North because they, they own a head-to-head tiebreaker over them now. The only chance that the Ravens would have with, with the Steelers is if they if there was a three-way tie in the AFC North with the with the Cleveland Browns, and they had to go to different tiebreakers. I still don't think it would work out well for the Ravens, but the Ravens would have to beat the Browns in order for them to still, you know, the Steelers would have to lose every game. The Ravens have to win every game, which would include a win over the Browns, which means the Browns could not get, you know, couldn't get in the tie because they couldn't have the same conference record um, because that would, um, not the not conference record, division record, because that would give the Browns three division losses, and the Steelers only have two division two division games left. So that would be impossible. So yes, the Ravens are eliminated from the North. So the Steelers can wrap up a playoff spot. There'll be an article coming out at behindthestillcurtain.com probably on Friday, maybe Saturday. That's going to lay it all out a little bit more. We've got a lot of content coming at you, but. Quick turnaround to play the Washington football team, who basically has almost an entire week's rest more than the Steelers. You gotta you gotta think of this that you're a team that's coming at it regular and you're facing a team that's coming off a bye. They didn't really have a bye, but they basically have another week that what the Steelers did not get. And this team, yes, they have a losing record, but they are um, they're four and seven, but they are tied record-wise for the NFC East. The only reason they're not first place in the NFC East is because the other team they're tied with the Giants beat them twice. Um, I'm pretty sure or beat them. one. I'm not sure how many times but they hold the tiebreaker over them right now. I'll tell you that. I know they beat them at least once. I think they've played twice, but I can't remember because frankly, it's the NFC East and why would I care to look it up? So if we look, do this rundown real quick of where they stand ranking wise in the NFL compared to the Steelers. It's it's quite interesting because let's hit the offense first. I'm just I'm going to zip through this quick because we're running short on time. Um, offense. If you want to talk about passing offense, the Steelers are 16th, where Washington is 24th. Okay, rushing offense. The Steelers are 25th, where Washington is 19th. So they kind of switch a little bit there because the Steelers are now averaging only 99.1 yards rushing a game, where the the where the football team is. I, I still don't think I've messed it up yet. Is at 106.6. Um, yards per attempt rushing the ball. They're pretty close. The Steelers are, are way down. They're down to 3.82. They're in 27th in the NFL, but Washington's 23rd with 4.12. So total yards, the Steelers are 22nd in the NFL in total yards. That would be what they call total offense, where Washington is 26th. It's a difference of 346 and a half yards to 325.3 yards. But the big difference here and this was something I want to say something about real quick, is Washington is 24th in the league in points scored 
with 21.9 per game, where the Steelers are sixth at 28.8. What this really goes to show is that the Steelers, they're kind of feast or famine when it comes to their offensive output. If they can get a drive going, generally they get points on the board. But they also have drives where they fall flat on their face. When so they're not they're not getting yards all the time. So they're not going crazy with yards. But they are taking advantage of their of the takeaways and things like that and they're putting points on the board. So that's why that's the one rank that stands out more than anything offensively is the steel. I mean, no one else is higher than oh my, no one else, no other rank is higher than middle of the pack, which is the Steelers being 16th in pass offense between both Pittsburgh and Washington. The only thing that stands out is, is the Steelers being sixth in points scored per game. But if you look at the defense, this is where it starts to get good. And it's, it's kind of crazy how close these two teams are. For example, the Steelers are number one in pass defense. They're only giving up 193.2 yards a game. But Washington's second with 194.6. So you're only talking a difference of 1.4 yards per game between these two teams. They're top of the they're the top two in the NFL. Now in the rush defense, the Steelers are eighth, where Washington is 15th. Um, when you talk about yards per attempt, the Steelers drop all the way down to 18th, while Washington is 13th. So Washington's got the advantage there um, in in how many yards they give up per attempt rushing. Now, when you look at total yards surrendered. The Steelers are third, so they would be ranked the third overall defense in the league because that's the way they do it in the NFL is by yards at 298.9. And Washington is fourth. They're next. It's 309.5. Almost, you know, just over 10 yards difference, though. So there's a the, the Pittsburgh's much closer than the one and two to one and two than they are to Washington at four. But still, Washington is the next best ranked team defensive-wise. Pittsburgh's the third best ranked defense. Washington's the fourth. But when you talk about points per game, there's a little bit more separation there because Pittsburgh is first. They're the only team in the NFL that has not surrendered 200 points yet on the season. They are, they Their average is 17.1 per game, and where Washington's is 22.1 per game. So those are some interesting stuff. Real quick, let's hit these key stats that I, I like. I always like to look at sacks and sacks surrendered and takeaways and turnovers. When you're talking about sacks, Obviously, the Steelers, they're still first in the league. They got 41 sacks on the year. Washington's tied for second with 36. Now, granted, the Steelers are up five on, on the competition, but Washington's the next team behind them. So they get to the quarterback as well. But what is interesting then is when you look at sacks surrendered, the Steelers, first in the league. I already talked about it's been it's been four games that Ben Roethlisberger has not been sacked. They've only given up 10 sacks on the year. They're the only team in the NFL that 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 gives up less than one sack per game to this point. Where Washington, they're tied for 29th, where they have given up 35 sacks on the season. So they're tied for second in sacking the quarterback with 36, but they've been sacked only one less time, which is tied for the for 29th, which means there's only two teams that have given up more sacks than the Washington football team. And last but not least, the infamous takeaways. The Steelers are first in takeaways. They got two more. They're up to 23. Washington's just, just below the middle of the pack. They only have, they're, they're 10 behind. They, they, they only have 13. So they're tied for 19th. And when you talk about turnovers, the Steelers are tied for fifth because they now have 11 with the two turnovers against Washington, or not Washington, against Baltimore. 
where Washington's turned the ball over 18 times. They're 26th in the NFL. So if you look at those key stats, um, Washington and Pittsburgh both get after the quarterback. They both get after the quarterback. The difference is Pittsburgh's offense is the best in the league of not letting teams get to the quarterback between the offensive line and Ben's quick release, where Washington is one of the worst in the league at not getting their quarterback sacked. So that's going to be interesting. And then the whole notion of, of, uh, of Washington's known to turn the ball over and Pittsburgh's known to take it away. I think those are the two th- things that this game's going to come down to. I'm not looking past this team. I do not think this is an easy win. I think that this is a team on the rise in Washington, I think, and it's led by defense. And this is why I think that when people think, oh, well, Pittsburgh's not the real deal and blah, 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 you forget defense is what makes is what can really get a team back into things more than anything. So Washington's got a good, good defense, good coach. This will be an interesting one on Monday that uh, um, last I saw was a 10 point spread. I don't know about that. Uh, I haven't checked it yet today after the game last night that um, that that I I think Washington can keep this game close. But that's our numbers. That's our numbers. Remember, the Steelers are 11 and 0, although it was a disappointing game, a disappointing performance. They still won the game. They still did what they had to do to win the game. And. For those people out there that are saying this team's not good enough to beat Kansas City or or even better, that performance on Wednesday is not going to win a playoff game. That performance on Wednesday is going to have this team in trouble. Well, you know what? That performance on Wednesday only had to beat that Baltimore Ravens team, and it did. The thing that the Steelers need to do is not repeat that performance. So I want to thank you all for tuning in to me here that uh, – on a Thursday midday, uh, quick turnaround. Be ready. We're going to have lots of content coming at you, both on the website at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and through our podcast platforms. So be ready. Get ready for this game. Quick turnaround. Forget that garbage that happened on Wednesday. It wasn't all garbage. It wasn't all sucking. There was some good stuff there. But there was definitely some things that needed to be improved on. And I know that's what the Steelers are working on as they prepare for the Washington football. So this is Dave Schofield, and I once again thank you for geeking out.